according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I know sometimes we think that pastors, missionaries, deacons, they're the only ones that have a calling. They're the only ones that have a gift from God. That's not what this verse says, does it? All of us have a gift. And it's been given to us by grace. You know what grace means? I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I'm not good enough for it. But guess what? God has given it to me anyway, in spite of who I am. So when we understand that, then we can go back to verse 2 and realize how we need to use those gifts in a spirit of lowliness, meekness, and humility, and willingly serve and use it for the glory of God because I really don't deserve that gift. Verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, verse 9 and 10 is, is an issue I'm not going to get into. I'll let the theologians uh, uh, work that out. But it's kind of the idea, some people think, that when Christ died on the cross, he went down to the abyss and took all the, the Old Testament believers and, and took them up with him up to glory. There's a big contention about it. But verse 8 is a verse of, of interest here because it's picturing Christ taking captivity captive and giving gifts. And the olden days when you had one king rise up against another king, the idea was the king would take his army, conquer this kingdom, he would spoil them, take other goods, the gold, silver, raiment, whatever they had, even slaves, bring it back to their kingdom, and as he was coming back to his kingdom, he would show the victory that he was, and to boost his economy, he would give gifts to people. Now, mainly, it would, a lot of it go to his general, his fighting men, because they did the work, they did the hardship, they risked their lives, but they would also give gifts to the people in the community, in his town, in his country, in his nation, and that would boost the economy. Well, this is kind of the idea that Paul is playing on. Christ gave gifts to the church. And so that's the idea here. And then in verse 11, he gives us some of the gifts that he gives uh, to the church. Now, when I was in Bible college, I, I remember this. I don't remember too much, <laughs> but I remember this. There's four passages in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts, okay? And they're very easy to remember. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, okay? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. So if you want to study all the other gifts that God gives, there's the passages. But here in, in Ephesians, Paul gives four or five. And he says in verse 11, And he gave some apostles. Now, right away we think, well, those don't exist anymore. I have a little issue with the fact that it doesn't exist anymore because, number one, it's right here in the Bible. Okay? So when somebody says something in the Bible shouldn't be for us anymore, I, I think we need to see why it is should be for us. And maybe the issue is not that the Bible's wrong. Maybe the issue is that our traditions are wrong. An apostle means one sent, or one sent forth to preach the gospel. The disciples, you remember, when Christ was discipling them, they were called disciples. Duh. <laughs> 
But after he died and rose again, before he ascended into heaven, he commissioned his disciples to go out and preach the gospel. Guess what? After that, they were called apostles. Today, we don't use the word apostle, but in the 17th century, I believe it was, the word became changed to being called, guess what? Missionary. And a missionary basically means one sent forth to preach the gospel or one sent on a mission. So we could just change the word instead of apostle, say they're missionaries. It's the same thing. I like to stick with what the Bible says, apostles, because that's what is inspired. Sad to say we don't use that word, but think of an apostle as one being sent forth to preach the gospel. That's a missionary. Notice what it says. And he gave everybody in the church the gift of apostles. Is that what it says? I grew up on the mission field. Uh, my parents are missionaries. My three brothers are missionaries. My sister's missionary. I'm the only one that's a black sheep. I'm back here. <laughs> And I'm glad my folks don't do this, but I've heard of a lot of missionaries come to churches and they pound the pulpit and said, God is calling you to be a missionary. And if you're not on the mission field, you're not serving the Lord. That's not what this verse says, that every one of us is supposed to go to a foreign field and preach the gospel. Now, are we all witnesses? Yes. Can we all give testimony of the salvation? Yes. Are all of us called to go somewhere else? No. It says some are called to be missionaries. Some are given that gifts. When you go back to Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas and other are in the church of Antioch. Guess what happens? The Holy Spirit called two people, Paul and Barnabas, to go out and preach the gospel, and they became apostles. He didn't call everybody in the church. He just called them two. So I want to say this to encourage you. If God has not called you to be a missionary, don't fret it. Don't feel guilty. It's not something wrong with you, but God is giving certain gifts to certain people, and if he hasn't given you the gift to be a missionary, don't fret it. Don't have somebody talk you into being one only to find out when you get on the field that this is not your calling. Because I have seen that personally. People feel guilty about not evangelizing. They feel guilty about not being a missionary. They go to the foreign field. They're down there and all of a sudden they realize this is not for me and they quit and they go back home. They were in the wrong place. Okay? So if God has not called you to be a missionary, that's fine. That's fine. But... If God has called you to be a missionary, go. Go serve the Lord, and he'll go before you. You know why? Because he has called you. Number two, he gave some apostles and some prophets. Now, when we get to this word, we're definitely going to say, okay, that's not a thing for today. <laughs> we often think of prophets as foretelling the future, which a lot of them did. But the thing is, the prophet also forth tells the truth. When you go through the prophets in the Bible, most of them did not tell something futuristic. A lot of them came and preached judgment or a truth or a, a, a something that God had laid on their hearts, that this nation, 
this person, this group of people needed to hear this. Okay? Jonah was a prophet. He went to Nineveh and did not really tell something futuristic. He really warned them of a judgment coming and that they needed to repent. He is actually more of a missionary in a sense. Okay? So prophets didn't always tell of something futuristic. They also told the truth of the Word of God. So are there prophets today? Let me try to explain this because I have seen this. Most pastors, preachers that come to preach, when you ask them to preach, they, you, you need to tell them a couple weeks in advance because they need to study and, and, and search and do research, read commentaries, read, study to get the concordance out and do a lot of research to come up with a sermon, come up with a message. Not bad, that's all good. But I know that you can go up to some people when they walk into the church who are students of the Word of God and they study the Word of God and they're into the Word of God and you could ask them, hey, do you want to preach this morning? Our, our preacher's sick. And they'll say, sure. And they'll sit down over there and they'll just pray and ask God for a message and guess what? They'll come up here and preach a sermon. And it's not from an old notes. They'll preach a sermon. Why? I personally believe God has laid a message on their heart and they can preach it. I know that sounds maybe strange to some people, but guess what? There are people out there that God will just lay a message on their heart and they'll go to a church or a people and preach it and it'll just convict them or just do an amazing work in their hearts. Why? Because it's of the Lord. I'm not saying that they um, had a 15 spicy enchiladas the day before and had a vision, okay? That's not what I'm talking about, all right? <laughs> okay? I'm not talking about having visions and yada, yada, yada. I'm talking about God, the Holy Spirit, placing a message on them heart, their heart and they're preaching it to somebody else. I've had people come up to me and say, Jeff, I don't know why, but the Lord just laid in my heart, I, I just need to share this with you. And it's exactly what I needed. In a sense, I would call them a prophet, if you want to say, because God laid a message on their heart. They came to me, and they told it to me. And it wasn't something contrary to the Word of God. It was exactly consistent with the teachings of the Word of God. Okay? Number three, what else does God give? He gives apostles, he gives prophets, and he gives evangelists. Evangelists are basically people who preach the gospel. Okay? They have this calling to go out and preach the gospel, and they can win souls like none other. When I was in the church in Altoona, our church for about several years, we sent out tracts to every house in the community, and we also went and uh, visited them after we sent a pamphlet or a tract to that house. And over a period of several years, we went to every single house in Altoona with the gospel tract, in the mail and one in person. After doing all that, nobody came to know Christ as their Savior. Now, does that mean we never should have done it? No. 
But there are people I know that have a calling for evangelism. And I know they can go into Altoona and go door to door, which is not, not a way that people think works today. But they can go door to door and they'll start winning souls for Jesus. It's just amazing. This whole church can do something and it'll go for nothing. And yet this one guy who has the gift of evangelism will come into town and he'll just winning, start winning souls for Christ. Why? Well, because Christ is building his church. And some he gives apostles, missionaries. Some he gives prophets. Some he gives the gifts of evangelism. Here's one of the things I'd like to point out. And this is what I've seen about evangelism. I'm not saying this to criticize them, but uh, to encourage them. I've seen evangelists come to churches and they're just pounding the pulpit, almost like missionaries, telling everybody here, you need to go out and evangelize every Thursday, every Saturday, every Sunday. You need to go out and evangelize, evangelize, evangelize. And they get so worked up about getting everybody to evangelize that guess what they forget to do? They forget to use their gift of evangelism. And they don't evangelize. Listen, it says here, some are called apostles, some are called prophets, and some are called evangelists. Not all of us are evangelists. Now, does that mean we can't be a witness? Of course we can. Does that mean we can't share Christ with somebody else? Of course we can. But some people have that gift. And if you have that gift of evangelism, don't wait for the whole church to get behind you before you go use it. Just go. Just start evangelizing. Just start using your gift as God sees fit and start telling people about the Lord. Number four, some are pastors. And there's a little, content, not contention, but um, disagreement on whether it's pastors and there's also another gift of teachers or pastors and teachers as one thing. Um, I'll let the theologians work that one out, okay? But there's the gift of pastors and the gift of teachers. Is everybody in this church called to be a pastor? No. Some are, some not, okay? If you don't have the gift of the pastor, don't try doing it. It's probably not going to work for you, <laughs> okay? And don't fret it if you're not a pastor either. That's not a reason to be discouraged. Is everybody going to be a teacher? Well, no. Now, can we help each other and train each other to teach one another? Yes. As fathers, guess what? We're all really teachers as fathers and husbands, okay? Because we're supposed to teach our kids and be with our wives and edify them. So we're kind of all teachers. But some people have that gift of being a teacher. So here's the thing. Do you think it's right if a pastor gets up and says, hey, <clears throat> I'm not going to be a pastor unless this whole congregation becomes pastors? Y'all look and say, no, that's stupid. Well, guess what? It's the same thing with the evangelist. If an evangelist gets up here and says, hey, I'm not going to evangelize unless everybody else here starts evangelizing, guess what? That's not right either. Same thing with the missionary. Man, I'm not going to be a missionary until all of us in this church go to some foreign field and mission people and evangelize people. Now, God, if God has called you and given you this gift, go use it. Don't wait for everybody else to come 
and, 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 and try to be one to you. Now, can all of us have a mission-minded heart? Yes. And we can pray for our missionaries and support our missionaries. Can all of us have an evangelist heart where we want to support those evangelists and go with them and learn from them as they go out and evangelize? Absolutely. Can all of us support the prophets or the pastors and teachers in our church? Absolutely. Can we have a pastor's heart that we were compassionate about our pastor and we pray for them and lift them up with prayer and come to them and say, Pastor, you know what? You encourage us. Is there any way I can encourage you? Encourage you? Yes. So we can all have these kinds of minds, but guess what? Not all of us have the gift. And we shouldn't fret that we don't have these gifts, but we should support those that have it. What are the purpose of these four or five gifts? Well, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. The purpose of these gifts is so that the pastors, the missionaries, the prophets, the teacher, evangelize, can perfect us, teach us the word of God, and help us to be mature believers. And then it says, for the work of the ministry. Now here it gets another thing. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? Some people think it's the evangelist, the, the missionary, the pastors. They're supposed to do the work of the ministry. I agree, they are. But there's also the idea that these gifts given to these people are to perfect the saints so that the saints can do the work of the ministry. And I think that also is true. I don't think God has put us all in one body of believers, in one group, only so that one guy, the pastor, does everything. I have seen pastors, they're not good evangelists. Not criticizing them, they're just not good evangelists. I've seen pastors that don't really have a heart for missions. I've seen pastors that are not good teachers, not good preachers. But you know what? They have a heart for their church. They can shepherd like none other. They get up to people who are hurting. They put their arms around them. They care for them. Somebody is rejoicing. They rejoice with them. And they are just an awesome shepherd but he doesn't have the gift of evangelism. I've seen pastors that have the gift of evangelism. Man, they are on fire to preach the gospel, but you know what? They can hardly disciple anybody in their church. I'm not saying that to criticize the pastor. I'm saying that, that we all need to recognize the pastor does not have all these gifts. It's very rare that you see a pastor have all these gifts. You know where some of the other gifts are at? Right out there. Some of us have those gifts. And instead of the pastor acting like he's the only one who's supposed to do everything, and instead of us as believers in the church expecting that the pastor's supposed to be the one doing everything, guess what? We're supposed to be working together. So as the pastor, the teachers, evangelists, missionaries, prophets are teaching us, they're also not just up here preaching, but they're also discipling us, equipping us, and training us to do the work of the ministry. 
I think in the church that is lacking, right? A lot of times we preachers do what I am doing. We just get up here and we preach. But how often do we take somebody with us like the Apostle Paul did, took Timothy, took Titus, took other people with him, say, hey, why don't you come with me? And as I'm doing the ministry, you watch me. You see what I'm doing. I'll teach you. I'll train you. I'll equip you so that you can do the work of the ministry along with me. And I think that sometimes is lacking because most of us in the church have had no training whatsoever on the ministry. And yet, guess what the Bible says? The Bible says right here that the pastors, teachers, missionaries are not just supposed to preach, but they're supposed to equip us so that we can do the work of the ministry. Number three in verse 12, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The purpose that God has given gifts to the church is, that so, is so that those people who have those gifts can teach us, equip us, train us, make us useful, a useful vessel in our church, in our community, so that we together, all of us together, can do the work of the ministry and see the church grow, mature. Now here's the thing. Are all of us going to be perfect this side of heaven? Now, <laughs> so this work, this ministry is never, never, ever going to end this side of heaven. We're, we're always going to have to learn something. There's always something missing in our lives that we need. And guess what? If we're relying solely on the pastor to do all the edifying, we're not going to mature very quickly. It's going to take a long, long, long time. But if the pastor is training us and teaching us and equipping us so that we too can be part of the ministry and teach one another, guess what? When you have more than just one pill in the church, this church is going to take off and grow because everybody is growing together. And look at what it says in verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. If the pastor is the only one who is sound in the faith, guess what? It's very easy for a church to be swept away. My dad, um, when he first went to Peru back in 74, I believe it was, um, he went to this, uh, the mission board said, you know what, there's a church over here that doesn't have a pastor. And so he, we went there. My dad they only had like 20, 30 people. A lot of people got saved within three or four years. There was like 80 people in the church. And uh, my dad came back to the States, left it with a national pastor. Some things happened. The national pastor left, and now they had no church, no pastor. When my dad came back, there was only like 30 people left in the church. And he realized that he needed to change his strategy. The reason why the people left was because they did not have any soundness in the Word of God. There was a lack of maturity. 
So that next term, he started building people up, started discipling them, started training them, make them mature believers so they knew what the Word of God says so they could stand on their own two feet and not have to depend on the missionary or the pastor. And after we left after the second term, that church stayed strong and is still growing with their own national pastor. Do you see the difference? It's not just a pastor coming up here and preaching. I mean, that's good. But when the pastor trains us and teachers train us and missionaries train us and equip us and mature us so that we can do the work of ministry, guess what? The pastor can fall off the end of the world and go to heaven. Guess what? This church will stay strong because there's plenty of believers that are going to hold and carry that torch and keep it lit and be a light in this community. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, notice what it says, the whole body, not just the pastor, not just the head. Well, Christ is the head. We are the body. But you know, the head of the church, the, the, the physical church here, not just the pastor, but the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do you see that? If just the hand is working and the rest of the body is paralyzed, guess what, folks? This hand is doing nothing. If all you have is a head, well, that's good. It's good to have a head. But guess what? If you have no legs, no arms, no body, guess what? That head's going nowhere. And it's not going to accomplish much. You need this whole body, every part supplying its part, doing its gift, using its gift. Guess what? This church will edify itself. So it's not about the hand desiring not to be a hand, wanting to be an ear, or an ear wanting to be an eye, or an eye wanting to be a leg. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about. It's every part being content with the calling that God has called you with, saying, you know what? I am going to humbly and willingly and lovingly use this gift to edify this church because God has given it to me. You know what happens when every part of the church is supplying their gift and serving the Lord willingly, eagerly, in unity? This church is just going to blossom in love and kindness and unity and togetherness. And I won't be surprised when we as a believers, as a body, start letting that light shine. I guarantee you people will start noticing it. And by that light that we have here, that unity, that love, that togetherness, that soundness, people will see Christ in you and me, and they will see Christ in this church. And that in itself is one of the greatest witnesses that you and I can be. It's just using our gifts for God right here in this church. Amen?
Let's see if we can do it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us gifts. And Lord, we don't all have the same gifts. We have differing gifts. But Lord, when we humbly and willingly use those gifts, not bickering, not fighting over them, just willingly using them and supporting one another and their gifts, Lord, this church right here at Northridge will grow in love, will grow in unity, will grow in maturity, and it will be a lighthouse, it will be a torch, it will be a fire that the community around here can see and be drawn to. So Lord, just help us to be willing servants of the gifts that you've given us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.